Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Too many Americans, including those in rural areas, are suffering from diseases of despair, which can lead to addiction and suicide. With more, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Dr. Bindu Kalisan, Assistant Professor of Medicine at Boston University School of Medicine and Assistant Professor of Community Health Services at Boston University School of Public Health. Professor Kalisan, your study focused on suicides using firearms in rural areas. Is that something that's on the rise? Yes. The most gun deaths are largely suicides. About 60% of gun deaths are suicides, and they predominantly occur in rural areas. And we've seen that there's been a rise as well. But what happened was because of the opioid rates, increasing opioid rates, suicides took a backseat. I think most people would presume that men are the most likely to shoot themselves rather than women. Is that correct? And is there an age category that's most at risk for what you're studying? Very good question. So this was a study that we had done earlier using NVDRS data. And again, that's a national data set. There we found that men are more likely than women to use gun for suicide. And also, as you said, we divided that data into younger men and older men at cutoff of age 50. And we found that older men, so there are different types of factors that can lead or associated to using guns for suicide. So older men above the age of 50, one of the important factors was that a diagnosis of a disease, bad physical health is a definite factor. And for the other groups, it was the same. You know, having a recent stressor is the primary factor associated with increased suicides using guns. So let's get to your actual study. What was the biggest finding in this study? We did the study primarily because we wanted to see whether diseases of despair, we think of disease of despair, the primary one being opioid deaths. But we wanted to understand whether there was some kind of a relationship between what we're seeing right now, sort of a deprivation across the country, particularly in rural areas. So since we already knew that suicide rates are greater in rural areas than in urban areas, we wanted to see whether these factors all play in together, which means that is there a constellation of factors which can determine that there are certain hotspots or certain clusters of occurrence? So which means that are we seeing some kind of patterns in 19 different social factors uh, scattered across the rural areas of this country? And we found that there were about five different clusters. And one of the main clusters were that cluster, which had a very high rate of suicide, but also most of them having farming economy. And they also had high population loss, low median house price, low rates of drug mortality, and opioid prescribing and violent crime. Then there was another cluster, which was found with high suicide rates, high everything else, high violent crime. But they were all also spatially adjacent to urban counties. So this information was new and we wanted to understand that, okay, not all the suicides occurring all across rural America is the same. There are certain social factors that drive these or that contribute to this deprivation, which causes a cluster of characteristics which are called as diseases of despair, which includes firearm deaths as well. 
So what sorts of policy and prevention implications are there from this study? I think you have some suggestions there, right? Yes. First of all, understanding that this is not a homogenous phenomenon. It doesn't happen across the country in a uniform way. So there are certain areas which need to be really addressed in different ways. So what we think is that there should be a targeted approach. We found there are four high-risk areas, and these high-risk areas were very different. But there was an intersectionality between the opioid deaths as well as the firearm use. So in those areas, which are adjacent to urban areas, could have specific programs targeted to directly impact all these characteristics together. You know, having a suicide prevention hotline, which means that a person who is on the verge of suicide, but at the same time, we don't really concentrate on what can be done to prevent a person from getting there. Because mental health diseases are difficult. And also, it creates a person into a very vulnerable individual. There's a lot of vulnerability associated with mental health diseases, especially when it goes untreated. And then it leads to more severe symptoms. And then, of course, a person gets suicidal. So in order to prevent that, there are a lot that we can do. First of all, we think, oh, let's remove guns from people. And I'm not saying no to that. But at the same time, are we winning the uh, the war against guns? I don't see it. There are only more and more guns being added into this country. So at this point in time, we might have to take not a backseat from gun control, but at the same time, we might have to think about, are there other things that we can do to prevent this? Can we treat people who are suicidal? Can we make sure that those who need mental health can receive mental health? And opioid is also related to mental health. So why are we forgetting the cause and going directly for the gun, which is very difficult to prevent? Gun control is proven to be a very challenging situation at this point, And we have to be prepared to take alternative measures like this. Most of the things you just mentioned are on the macro level, but let's talk about the micro level for a moment. Do you have any suggestions for family and friends and churches and small towns, what they can do to fight the problem? Well, that's a good question. But at the same time, this is how I think about it. The fundamental cause I see is as mental health. And then there is also poverty, which is happening in rural areas. So number one, if I say, We need more research. That's very cliche, but the truth is we do need more research to understand more about these clusters, these five clusters. And then we can do something very strategically. I'm not sure about what family and friends can do about this, but at the same time, I can only think about it in scientific terms where, you know, mental health is not something we can do self-help on. And I see a lot of people doing it. Oh, I'll, I'll manage it. I don't want to take medications. I don't want to see doctors. There is a stigma, but it's a much deeper stigma and we still carry it. And I don't think that is something self-help and what the church can fix or their family can fix. When mental health need to be provided to a person, they need to feel that they can seek that help. So we need to be able to think about it in a more scientific way, talk about it in a more scientific way, more pragmatic way, because churches and family and friends cannot treat it. In fact, suicide hotlines cannot treat it. You really need to treat the disease itself. 
So I think our conversations should be redirected firmly into the scientific reasons. Were you surprised at the results of this study? No, not at all. This was expected. One part which I was very surprised by was that the cluster, the group of counties which are near to the urban areas, that's a very new concept that we've found in the study, which means that it just provides us better alternative or better solutions where we can do some targeted programs. Dr. Bindu Kalisan from Boston University, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack a production of Syndication Networks.